never did a show. Welcome to episode number two, two, two of Grumpy Old Ben's Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm wondering uh, why nobody who liked numerology actually wanted to support the show. And from America's left coast, where it never hurts to have a spare hard drive, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, this, no, see, having a spare hard drive is one thing. Having one with all of your uh, information already mirrored to it. That's the more yeah, that would have one. been better. Yeah. Yeah. Having a spare hard drive. Otherwise, that just takes a lot of time. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm just pleased I had a spare hard drive because I would the downtime would have been a lot more than about eight hours. Ah, that's true. And it was your main rig that got uh, taken down. It was not. No, it wasn't this computer. It was it was a uh, Olympus, my uh, Debian server that's running on a beige box in the basement, um, which runs among other things uh my lightning node and my minecraft server oh well more importantly and you will be happy to know the minecraft server is perfectly fine didn't have a problem at all (laughs) the lightning node uh i I lost the hard drive contain it like the whole thing came back up and it gives me you know the the, it's it's a box that's headless it's i mean kind of like operating a raspberry pi i have no monitor or anything it just was like beep, beep 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 when i turned it on and so I figure out finally how to get it to boot by unplugging and plugging hard drives just to see which one. And um, the one that then I brought the hard drive up here and plugged in and up here and was like, nope, the it's got a smart error. I don't know who the hell came up with the idea that it's smart when hard drives crash, but um, felt <laughs> well, pretty stupid like si- to me. Right. It's like what system monitor. And I don't remember the acronym, but it's been around for 30 years. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. So the hard drive and and uh, actually SSD that I bought a year ago, like it, it gave me exactly a year of use. Um, but the only thing on that particular drive was, well, basically the whole lightning node, not a huge deal because the important part, my channel data, I back up all the time. <laughs> yes. I've, I've, and now I'm very, very glad that I do. That's quick grumpy old Ben's tip. Always have backups of your important data. Yes. Um, but what wasn't backed up because there's something like 400 gigabytes of it. And I uh, was the entire Bitcoin blockchain, which is something you have to have on a lightning node. That and is crazy. So, really? When you think about it, that is crazy. I, I, I understand the technical reasons why, but I think more people need to maybe start focusing on you know let's kind of come up with a way that somebody can run a lightning node without having to dedicate half a fucking terabyte to it but whatever anyway so the big benefit that i had was when i purchased the ssd last year uh it was on a really good price uh in fact uh shout out to karma king who sends these deals out unsolicited and half the time I'm looking at this going, this is spam, right? But had, had sent this out that says, Hey, you know, pick up a, a one terabyte SSD for only 
$55 or whatever that, whatever the deal was. And I looked at this and went, I'm getting two. And the other one had been in a drawer up until yesterday. <laughs> so and now it found its use. So now it found its use to replace the other one that was an identical. So I really hope that it was a fluke and not just the design limitation, or I'm going to be doing this again in a year. Yeah, that's no fun. That is no fun. I had a hard drive fail as well, but it was only one of five in my uh, the Drobo machine that's sitting on my desk here, or right under the desk. And those were the five refurbished six terabyte drives. And I was kind of thinking that one would have crashed a long time before. And I looked because I bought them on eBay for pr- probably about the same kind of a price, probably for like 60 bucks a piece. And I emailed them because it said it had a one year warranty. They're like, OK, here's an RMA. <laughs> like, damn, that's like way Western Digital took forever to get me an RMA and then get the drive back. So I've already sent that back out. It costs like eight bucks to ship it back to California. But allegedly, they'll send me another one. and. It'll probably die in about a year, but I think they uh, have served their purpose. And this is why you need multiple drives. So that way, when they die and I was kind of impressed with the Drobo, it took it about a day to go, okay, I'm chugging along, I'm chugging along. And then it's like, okay, you can remove that drive and it just acts fine now. Like it's a four disc raid, nothing, no big deal. So it's all backed up again. So if I lose another drive, it'll be a three drive raid as long as there's still enough room for it to consolidate them into the drives that you have there it's able to do so so i'm fairly impressed for a company that you know went out of business the yeah the the thing that keeps creeping into my conscience consciousness is as you pointed out uh i really need to uh start rating my important drives Uh uh-huh that way if one fails you're like well i'm not totally screwed i don't have any downtime i could replace the drive And you do have to just start staggering those. We've learned that in the NAS systems, because otherwise, if you're putting in four brand new, five brand new drives that are all the same, all failing the same week, right? That's very bad. But nobody ever thinks of replacing a drive before it fails. So this is why you have to kind of put yourself on a schedule and be like, nope, take a drive, put a new one in. That way you hopefully never have multiple drive failures at the same time, which is still why everybody will tell you even a raid or something like a Drobo, which does their own version of raid, not the same thing as a backup because your house can blow up. You know, your house can burn down. Somebody can rob you and take your machine. It's like, well, then where's your data gone? (laughs) Well, this is why the the, good dude named Ben policy is you have multiple layer you have you have the raid drive so that if a drive goes out you can come back with no downtime uh you have cold storage so that if you have a massive power spike it doesn't nuke all of your storage and then you have off-site storage so that if for example a meteor hits your house then actually if you're in your house at the time you don't care right. <laughs> your data becomes a lot less important at that point <laughs> Although our buddy Adam Curry now has five uh, gig both up and down. So maybe we can just start sending him backup NAS systems. Yeah, maybe. Can I am just, so jealous of that. I know. It just seems like such a massive I'm, amount I'm, of speed. I'm still stuck on my 35 symmetric fiber. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of the two ISPs we have in the house. And every time I mention that, people are like, well, don't you also have, you know, you've got Xfinity, right? And, and you know, even my wife who's like, well, you know, we have Xfinity and, and it's way fast. I think. Uh, 
they've currently got us at like 800 down and uh, uh, 120 up. But here's the thing. Those are marketing speeds. When I say my fiber gives me 35 symmetric, I mean, it freaking gives me 35 symmetric. I could turn that on, start uploading and downloading at 35 megabits 24 seven and continue doing all month. And they will not care or do they will not throttle me. They will not do anything. Xfinity is all like, well, you know, when you're connected to speedtest.com and you haven't used it in a week and also there's nobody else in your neighborhood at all. And, uh, you know, we like you and you're paid up and uh, it, the stars all align, then maybe you'll get the speed that we set in the marketing. Now, that's not really good enough when you're running servers. Well, no. Well, you unless you have that much of a buffer where with our Xfinity plan now, it is like 12 down. But it's even beyond that because they give you the bump because they know everybody's going to complain if they don't include the headroom, you know, and then give you more. So it's like if it says you're getting a gigabyte down, you better be getting a gigabyte. If it's nine, 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 you're pissed. So, yeah, well, and the biggest scam was something that Comcast was actually caught doing a few years ago. I don't think I was podcasting at the time or definitely would have reported on this was when they would actually detect if you were connecting to a few sites like speedtest.net and boost your speed for that connection. Only. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You get a nice, that's the expressway. That's the lane right there. Yeah. Well, they were also back in the day. Oh, you're using those ports that they're common for the torrents. We'll slow those down. Yeah, they did that too. Which is why VPNs are your friend. Although, I mean, then you have to trust the VPN. But which is easier to do than trusting Comcast. Probably even the free ones. Comcast, I do like the, well, if you rent our modem from us, we'll give you unlimited bandwidth. For me, that's like the ultimate gun to the head, treating their customer base wrong when it was, well, you could pay $50 a month for unlimited bandwidth, or you could pay $20 to rent our modem and and get unlimited bandwidth with that. (laughs) Like assholes, you know, it it couldn't just be, you know, I would have just been like, well, I don't need your modem. I'll be happy to give you the 20 bucks. That seems fair enough for unlimited bandwidth. Cause when I've got it, I use it. So, uh, you know, there's that, but there, I've, I've, to be fair, I haven't had that kind of an issue with them with the, well, you're using way too much. Like what, what define too much in this world with 4k videos and so many content creators, it used to be to use massive amounts, multi terabytes in a month. You had to be doing something illegal. Now, not so much because 4K video is really big. Something illegal like like streaming videos from a, a streaming service. Because Depending on which one, sure. And depending on which country you're in, that might be illegal now. There was a lot of torrenting. But uh, I, I was talking about Netflix. Well, are they finally getting through to their, we're going to block you? Well, no, no, but one of the big stories now? that one of the big stories I brought was uh, Canada's government deciding that they wanted to get all authoritarian and sensory on uh, a number of things online, including all of these terrible American companies who are coming in and, and serving content to Canadian citizens without regard to what percentage of that content was made in America. No, it has to wait. You mean made in Canada? Or, uh, yeah, whatever. They want it to be. They're like, it is all made in America, you bastards. Well, that's how entertainment's always been. Although, yeah. to be fair, a lot more television shows and movies shoot in K- 
Canada now because it's cheaper than uh, every good show that I want to watch tends to be shot in the Vancouver area because Hollywood is awful. Yes, absolutely true. But what you're saying is Canada thinks they're not making enough money. So they're going to try to force Netflix. If like, if you want to stream here, you've got to make your content here or what? Uh, well, okay. So I can go ahead and get into, uh, the, the bills themselves. It's Canada build C 18 and Canada bill C 11, uh, C 11 recently passed, uh, with, yeah, it passed in April uh, last month, I guess. Um, which is the one that gives the CRTC the power to regulate streaming services, uh, requires that they promote Canadian content, contribute financially to the production of Canadian content. Uh, this bill is, is tough, but before you even move on regulating streams, you know, there's only one way to do that. And that is to start blocking the free internet. Well, yes. Um, and and we're waiting for the Great Wall of Canada to be uh, the great yeah Great Firewall of Canada. Right. Like Trudeau's government is in fact pushing this. Uh, it was very much party lines with the I, I don't remember what they call up there, but the Trudeau party saying you know pushing everything through, and they have a, a majority, uh, possibly due to election fraud, like the Democrats in America. But I'm not sure about that. It was basically everybody in the opposing party was saying, no, this is overreach. And Trudeau's like, that's kind of the definition of my administration. Um, The other bill is uh, Canada Bill C-18, which is not officially a law yet, but it did pass the House of Commons in December and is being pushed through the House of whatever the hell they call their other house, um, which uh, is the one we've seen this one before. I know. Uh, it's the same one that Australia passed, where it says uh, if you aggregate or provide access to any news content, you have to pay the news agency. Oh, right, right. That that, that has not gone well for anybody that's tried this. Well, I mean, it, it Facebook caved in Australia, and that's pretty much being highlighted as the success. Okay, I got to back up a, a, a topic because it just occurred to me. You remember when I said uh, filmed in Vancouver, I learned something interesting about one of the shows that I recently am watching. Uh, it's called Psych. You're familiar with this, right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That was on for like 10, 12 years on USA. Uh, right? Yeah, I don't know how many seasons they have. It's it's a lot. But I know I downloaded it recently. So it's a procedural it crime drama with really snappy writing and and uh, interesting if uh, childish characters. Oh, this sounds uh, perfect for me. So it is good. Then you would suggest yeah, it. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I've already watched into season four. But I, what I discovered. Okay, so the the show is set in theory in Santa Barbara, California, which is about an hour outside of L.A. Um, on the coast, it's kind of in the mountains. It's it's more rural than the L.A. basin, but it's still a town of uh, like eighty thousand people. I don't know. It's it's not a little town. Um. So obviously during all the intro and outro sequences and a lot of the interstitials, they have B-roll of helicopter shots over what is very recognizably Santa Barbara. But what I learned is that almost the entire show is filmed in Vancouver, BC uh, at a place called uh, like gravel beach or white. There's a beach, which is like just barely a half mile or so North of the U S border on the sound that 
I guess they can only film those in summer, but it's got a nice long pier, kind of like the Santa Barbara pier. So every time that they want to do a shot of somebody near the pier, they're filming this other pier that's in Vancouver. Uh, They film all like Vancouver is in the Pacific Northwest. They don't have that many sunny days, but I guess they got the entire season's worth of outdoor shots all in during the sunny days in Vancouver. Right. Because one sunny day, everybody, everybody, come on, get out here. So apparently they, I mean, they filmed the whole thing in Vancouver, BC and decided to set it in California. Now, if LA basin, if Hollywood were not so incredibly toxic, both to the industry, to the, the bottom line of companies wanting to make a, a, a medium budget show. Don't you think it would be a whole lot easier logistically to do on location shots in Santa Barbara and then do studio shots in Hollywood an hour away instead of flying people all the way up to Vancouver. One would think. Okay. <laughs> but that's the insanity of the entertainment industry. Yeah. So it was just something that I noticed that shows at least a decade old, probably more so. Um, Which I, is the only but, shows that are good now seem to be over yeah. a decade old. Oh, I, I have definitely reached the point where without a, a lot of other signals that, oh, this is very good. You, ch- you usually mean somebody telling me it's good and also having favorable reviews. And like if it, it, I look at the year of publishing, if it starts with two zero two, I just skip it. Like, no, it's, it's going to be garbage. That <laughs> is the, except for our rabbit hole, which was one of the few series that have come out recently with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Actually, good writing and not woke. I was surprised. It was on like Paramount Plus or something. So maybe they're not fully in on the wokeness. Rabbit hole? Yes. I'm not familiar with this one at all. It's like it's one of these. uh, It was an hour long show, 10 episodes. And uh, it's Kiefer Sutherland as close to being Jack Bauer, you know, without being Jack Bauer. Okay. But it's very much based around the. the computer world and, uh, you know, subterfuge and crimes going on. And, um, it's very interesting stuff. Oh, it's very sounds, sounds kind of Jack Bauer. The last thing I saw Sutherland in was, uh, um, Oh, what the hell's the one he, the one where he was the president, right? Uh, the de- designated uh, survivor, right? Right. Which was good which, for like a season. And then it was great for a season. And then the next season came in and it would they, like, they changed out half of the main cast and, uh, the one person they did not get rid of and should have was Cal Penn. Cause fuck that guy. <laughs> I know he just, I was just been watching uh, how I met your mother. I totally blacked out that he was in that as well. And I yeah, liked or, him in house, but he then well, went okay. totally woke. And uh, you know what happened when he was in house though, was uh, he was in for a season, the season where they introduced his character. And then he was full bore going and going for the next season. And then just one episode with absolutely no lead up, no indication, whatever. Uh, he did not appear in the episode and his, the secondary plot to the entire episode is the people dealing with the fact that he mysteriously killed himself. Right. right. The character just offed himself. Why? There was no lead up, no indication, no foreshadowing. Uh, and he didn't appear in the episode. Why? What happened? Oh, because Cal Penn gave a middle finger to the producers of House and said, hey, I'm going to go work for Obama now. So deal with it. Uh huh. OK, fuck that guy. Because yeah. he like and that that was House is usually a pretty well put together show. But he just that plot line was just awful because 
they couldn't, they had no clue that the writers were completely blindsided. Yes. And that you know, what kind of work goes in to an ensemble cast like that with a storylines written for the season. And then somebody throws a, uh, um, you know, a, a monkey wrench into the works and to go work for Barack. I'm sure he changed the world too. He, I'm sure he did. I mean, you know, lots and lots of things in the world are much worse. Thanks to the Obama administration. And I'm sure Cal Penn was part of some of that. Congratulations. Thanks, Cal. Okay. Canada bill C 18. I actually brought uh, notes on this one. Um, introduced June, 2022 passed the house of commons in December of 2022. Um, the, according to the government propaganda pushing the bill, here is the description of what it does. The bill introduces a new bargaining framework intended to support news businesses to secure fair compensation when their news content is made available by dominant digital news intermediaries and generates economic gain. It seeks to support balanced negotiations between the businesses that operate dominant digital news intermediaries and the businesses responsible for the news outlets that produce the news content. Not that that's biased or anything but i can i everything else in my notes shows how some of that is bullshit yeah i was wondering if uh, that was even english though i know it was canadian ah well that'll do it and more importantly it was canadian government speak uh google by the way the this first hit my radar back in february google made some pretty big news i didn't report on it at the time uh by testing when this was being pushed through and had recently passed the house of commons Google did, you know how they do their A-B test where like 3% of all users will get some change? Right. One to of see the if they A-B like test it. changes that they pushed was blocking all news content from Canada. Did anybody notice? Yes. Yes. People lost their minds. <laughs> well, um, these must have been Canadians. Well, among other things, one of the things that their uh, initial test at least classified as Canadian news content was any search results that uh, return any pages from less than I think two weeks old. So okay. Google search was not returning anything really new because, uh, as I, you know, you know that I hate myself and I went ahead and read bill C 18 from start to finish. Um, were you playing with your gear at the time? I had to, I had no choice. It's the only way to make it tolerable. Um, this bill is vague this bill is poorly worded this bill is is not well designed there is very little prescriptive in the bill google is probably right in this case and i hate the company but to at least make sure they are capable of filtering a huge amount of stuff from canada because under the exact wording of this law, almost anything Google does, including give search results from 2006, could be construed. So here's here's what I got out of the actual out of the law text itself. Uh, they define a digital news intermediary as, quote, an online communication platform, including search engines or social media services that make news content produced by news outlets available to persons in Canada. By that definition, an ISP could be a digital news intermediary because they make news content available to persons in Canada. That is true. Um, now, the one exception to this is it excludes services whose, quote, primary purpose is private messaging. So I guess, you know, Telegram is off the hook, maybe. For now. Um, but 
kind of like uh, we, you know, I, we've talked about laws like this where they're like, well, we don't want to get, you know, we don't want to hit uh, SMS providers. We don't want to hit messaging. Oh, okay, fine. But that is the only thing that is excluded in this. Otherwise, like I said, an ISP could be considered under this. Um, so how do they determine? Well, most of the remainder of the law uh, discusses the commission, which the commission in this case is the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Convision, or Commission uh, under the acronym CRTC and not CRTTC. I'm not sure, but maybe Canadians are bad at acronyms. But the CRTC is basically in charge of interpreting this law and enforcing it, which is already a recipe for bad regulation. Oh, yeah. That's the nefarious part there when the law has to be interpreted. Yes. Uh, So. Oh, making available content is uh, if they reproduce any content or if access to the news content or any portion of it is facilitated by any means, including an index aggregation or ranking. Which means that, uh, you know, even a, a forum where somebody puts up, these are the top 10 shows in Canada. Now you're ranking. Now you're included under this, too. Uh, there was one clause in this, in the text of the bill. I did not understand this, so I'm going to ask you to interpret for me. The title of the clause was Freedom of Expression. And the text is, for greater certainty, this act is to be interpreted and applied in a manner that is consistent with freedom of expression. Now, from where I'm sitting, what that means is that that is a clause that says the act should be found unconstitutional. But maybe you can come up with what exactly they're saying in an act that supports censorship. Trying to interpret in a man that are, manner that is consistent with freedom of expression. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's okay, the antithesis well, of. Uh, it's like, well, anything, because I think we hit upon this a little bit at one point when talking about content being created in and of course they have to get immediate although uh you know something like youtube is not really a social media site i mean i guess it is kind of in a weird kind of a way but it's like well you can't force a certain amount to be made it's like with any of this stuff you can promote as a country, Canada could go, hey, we're going to incentivize any Canadian that wants to make content. We'll give you money if you create content to help oh, help Mother Canada. But I don't know exactly what they think they can do. Again, this is the total well, misunderstanding of governments that the Internet is worldwide. Uh, the, yes, there's always that fundamental. The, the moment you decide to say, well, we're going to regulate the Internet only within these geographic boundaries, you've already lost. Um, I will say you were very, very close, uh, except that the Trudeau government with this law is going uh, a step farther than uh, not, uh, wait, not this law. No, uh, C-11 goes a step farther than giving government money to anyone who wants to make Canadian content. No, no, we're doing it even better. You see American companies who want to carry news stories are required to give money to people who want to make Canadian content. <laughs> well, make somebody else pay the bill. I like that. Yes. This is even better than giving taxpayer money. You force money from someone else. That's called coercion, but okay. Okay. Legal coercion. Let me, let me get, get into the, the structure of C18. Cause I went through this and I, I, it's bugging me. I'm, I'm, 
I'm not actually ranting yet. Uh, I might be. I'm not sure. But anyway, the structure of this one is odd. Uh, it, it, first of all, it was difficult to figure out what exactly the, 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 the text of it started immediately into definitions and then exceptions. And I'm like, exceptions from what? Right. We haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> but, but, uh, here's as far as I can tell, uh, here's what the bill does. The bill sets out punishment for any digital news intermediary which has a significant bargaining power imbalance over the news content generator whose content they're carrying. That's what it does. It says, if you have a, quote, significant bargaining power imbalance and you carry news, you will be punished with punishments determined by the CRTC, of course, uh, because all the punishment, everything about it is let's have the CRTC just go write the law and here's just the skeleton of it. Then the rest of it sets out exceptions of, oh, well, you won't be punished if you do all of these things that we want you to do, which is, I got to say, the most one of the most passive aggressive pieces of legislation I've ever encountered. And maybe that's a reflection of Canadian culture, who at least in my, you know, I know a few Canadians who are generally nice people. I know some Canadians who are assholes, but my experience with the general Canada population is limited to being on the road when I drive in Vancouver. Oh my God, I'd rather be driving in Beirut. <laughs> they, uh, first of all, they are some of the most passive aggressive people ever on the road. Um, they, uh, and not one of them understands the concept of, uh, you know, ha- leaving more than the width of a bumper in between you and the car in front of you. Uh, they will, like if somebody merges out, they will aggressively move forward to fill the gap. I drove in Boston once and they weren't this bad. Um, they, I don't know, like very polite people to your face, but to through a windshield, I, I, I just had the scariest experience, but that, that said, you know, obviously Canada's made of people. Not all people are, uh, are good. Not all people are evil. But the people in Canada's government, I can say, are universally horrible people who are all very passively passive aggressive and are making laws like things that say, well, we're going to punish anybody for being bigger than our news agency. But here's a list of reasons why we might not, which, of course, is all at the discretion of the CRTC. So who are they really going after here? Facebook and Google? Facebook, is that Google. The- uh Facebook, Google, Spotify, uh, Netflix, YouTube, Amazon, you know, all the big American companies that they that are effectively becoming large enough to challenge governments. And just a shakedown here. They want the money. That's what they want. I I think it's possible. Yeah. Uh, Same people that the EU goes after. Same people Australia went after. Same people that the the U.S. government or, or individual states keep trying to go after. All of these companies, which admittedly have become large enough to make the mid 80s dystopia sci fi stories about, uh, you know, governments being obsolete and everything being run by giga corporations. We're starting to think that maybe those are becoming a possibility. These th- these companies are too big, but governments are piecemeal trying to slap them and doing so in ways that strain the concept of of fairness. Or throw it out entirely or they don't um, understand the technology at all and try to make laws that just don't make sense so if you want an exception 
to the you're bigger than the news outlet, therefore you have to be punished. If you want an exception to that, then here is under C-18 what you have to do. If, if you are a company that that aggregates or ranks or indexes any news content. Um, first of all, you have to request an exception. So I, I don't know why the formal request, if the idea is that everything will be punished, but again, it's going to be enforced so selectively that maybe a lot of people won't, won't care. So if you say like, word. you know, Trudeau, may I first, then you might be okay. Maybe um, you have to enter into an, a quote agreement with a news business. Uh, in order to get this exception. Uh, and that's what they're trying to push all over is they want Google and Facebook and Amazon and Netflix and everybody to enter agreements with everybody whose news content they're stealing, AKA indexing. And well, you the mean agreement, like linking to is part of that. Linking right? to is yes. Linking to is, is republishing under this uh, anything that, any kind of TCP connection between a server in at Google and a server anywhere in Canada is kind of going to follow and un, fall under this. And it, the law says you can be punished immediately unless you've made an agreement with them in advance. It's the only concrete way that you can to not be selectively enforced against this agreement must require the American, the big bad American company to support local Canadian content, including financially. Um, let's see the, they, 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 in all of these clauses is, is the Google or the Facebook says they, and the agreement must require that they do not allow corporate influence to undermine the freedom of expression and journalistic independence enjoyed by news outlets. Well, they're in Canada. I don't know how much journalistic independence they're enjoying already. So that might be a loophole, but undermining freedom of expression. It feels like every party in this is doing that. Uh, they contribute to the sustainability of the Canadian news marketplace. I don't like the word sustainability, but too big to I'm fail. Not, yeah, maybe. Or they too ensure, small to fail. Here's <laughs> they ensure a significant portion of independent local news businesses benefit from them. They contribute to the sustainability of those businesses and they encourage innovative business models in the Canadian news marketplace. So we are legally now requiring Google and Facebook to become Adam Smith. To, to, I, I, this is socialism in action where instead of the Canadian government trying to be socialist, what they're saying is Google and Facebook will punish you if you don't make sure that every company you interact with is sustainable and succeeds whether you get to or not. I, I don't even understand how this can be a requirement. Okay. Move on. They involve a range of news outlets that reflect the diversity of the Canadian news marketplace, including diversity with respect to language, racialized groups, indigenous communities, local news and business models. They are forcing DEI into these companies. It's OK. Google and Facebook are already way ahead of the Canadian government in terms of being woke, but they're making it a requirement in the law. OK. And finally, uh, you also have to comply with, and this, this uh, almost to word through the word is what's written in the law. In order to be, have the exemption to this, you are automatically punished. You must comply with anything else the commission can think of. <laughs> anything we add on later. Yeah. Anything they add on later. Uh, one of the commission members walks up and is like, get me a coffee and you don't do it fast enough. Bam. Fines. You're, you know, nope. Sorry. You're, you're completely, you have the whole weight of the law. 
Then the bill goes on to describe, among other things, uh, like the exact bargaining process uh, the, that the commission can say which clauses are mandatory in these contracts and agreements that are being created. The d- commission can say which clauses are, are not allowed in the agreements that are being made between two private companies uh, and that the commission has veto authority over any contract or any agreement between these big, bad American companies and these poor usually state-funded news outlets, the commission has veto authority over any contract made between private businesses in whole or in part. So, like you said, socialism. It's handing complete control over the entire internet to the commission, the CRTTC commission. Well, here's the most ironic thing to me is that the thing that they're worried about right now is about to be the last thing they're going to be worried about if the AI stuff continues on the way that it is, which is not going to be linking to content. It's not going to be, well, people didn't get a fair share. You're going to have AIs writing news using that content, whether you like it or not. And there's no way to really know where that information came from. You know, that, I, I don't know if we've given it really good coverage, but that whole, oh, AI was trained on my copyrighted material. Pay me, pay me, pay me. Uh-huh. Controversy is, is a weird subject. Yes. Not, not least because you know how the AI is getting it. It's the same way that inter that humans are getting it. Same way people users are getting it. You're putting it out in public. Yes. And the AI is getting it from public. <laughs> so it will use that information. And this is where I see it already happens, except it's a much dumbed down version. But you can already get articles that are kind of geared towards you and interest you. Google does it. Apple does it. If you want to use this kind of a service on your devices, it it notices what you read. Yeah. Well, you can opt into reinforcing your information bubble. Yeah. Now, what this will do with a an artificial intelligence, it's like, well, if you want Canadian news. You're never going to those sources. You're just going to ask your little AI device to give you the information of what's going on. And it'll go to those, all those places. It will aggregate the news. It will tell you what's the most important. And these small news organizations, I don't know how big, uh, you know, the Canadian news organizations that are bitching about this are, but uh, I think the only, the only news organization I'm aware of in Canada is the CBC, which is, is state sponsored news. So, so they're not going broke anytime uh, soon. Well, they might be, <laughs> but it's like, you can't put the, the genie state back sponsored in the bottle. Just means that you're funded by the citizens of Canada who, by the way, if you're anything like America are going broke. Yeah. And who don't give a crap about the news. They got better things to be worried about. Don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's important. Probably yeah, hockey. It's got to be something. Yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, one of the uh, interesting tidbits that uh, it was it was thrown out of one of the articles I read. I've got a, a bunch of articles that'll be in the show notes because um, I got this from a lot of places. But um, there's absolutely no word from the Canadian government about this because they don't really want to publish publicize it. But when I read this one and Bill C11. I could not find anything. There was no exceptions, no language at all that contradicted the idea that 
These bills also apply to user-generated content, which um, is one of the reasons why C11 is also being applied to YouTube because user-generated content. The, the logistics of this boggle the mind. We have a rule now that says, and I'm, I'm guessing this is patterned after a similar one in France, which, by the way, it makes French media fucking awful. Uh, that says the the bill is in Canada is now or the law in Canada is now uh, you have to have a certain percentage of all the content on your site be Canadian content sourced from Canada going to people in Canada. How do you enforce this against YouTube? You can't. Well, I mean, you, you could th- wait, wait, you could threaten YouTube that you're going to block them in Canada to which they would say, all right. Well, no, no they're not going to block the it, well. Okay. Um, neither of these laws has any particular punishment written out. There's no, no statutory listing of fines or anything. It's really just whatever the CRTC wants to do, but you can imagine they'll find people. I don't know if they'll block or not. I mean, you know, the government might actually take some flack if they blocked Google in Canada or blocked YouTube, but they can go ahead and say here, uh, yeah, $10 million a day that you have more American content than candidate content on YouTube. Like, and of what course can we Google do. do? Do they just block all new videos that are uploaded until they make their quota? No, you block them so they can't view them and say, fuck off. <laughs> Maybe that's it. You know, it's like, uh, okay, there you go. Be like, well, YouTube, YouTube.ca now with only Canadian content and there's four videos. Uh huh. Well, or what you just have to do is you take your favorite American content and you just redub the audio track to have a lot of, hey, after the. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Canadian, right? That's all you need. Maybe, maybe uh, like uh, blot over some of the background signs that like, instead of a stop sign, it has whatever stop is in French. True. Uh, That's uh, even better. (laughs) It has to be really bad editing the way it's done. Yes. Really bad. Uh, Yeah. User created content. And I know there were Canadian YouTubers who were really worried about this. At one point, because they were worried that, and I didn't even understand it, but they were worried that Canada was going to come after them if they were making content that wasn't particularly Canadian, which it's like, I don't even understand how they could. It's like, so if, okay. And and that's, that's, that's now law because of Bill C-11. That is the law in Canada. You know, then that is bizarre because there was one guy that has a Lego channel. It's like, well, that's not Canadian. That's about a hobby they, that's, you know, universal. Well, no, he just has to use a certain percentage of the Legos in his builds have to be the Canadian knockoffs instead of the Scandinavian Legos. You have to write you well, or you have to make Canadian landmarks and you have to show those, <laughs> you know, maple just, leaf. Just make sure that every video, every time you show off something somewhere on a bookcase in the background is a Lego model of the CN Tower and you're good. Uh huh. But it's very bizarre because if somebody's a Canadian that is making videos about something that is distinctly not Canadian, then can they legally do that? Because these laws, as you said, the problem is very vague. Yeah, it's entirely up to the whim of whatever uh, unelected bureaucrats are going to be in the enforcement department at the CRTC. And what that makes is, that, a video more Canadian? Eh? Hey, 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 <laughs> the show is very Canadian safe. Eh? 
Yeah. You hey there, you hoser. We're here. You got well, some tech news, I figure eh? what this really means is that there's a percentage. If, if we want to still be available to, say, uh, people in Toronto, we're going to have to have a percentage of our shows where we bring on Carolyn and Cold Acid as guest hosts. Yeah, I'm not willing to do that. Oh. <laughs> hey. I just, like Carolyn. Don't don't be talking shit about Carolyn. I like Carolyn. Carol. Awesome. I like Carolyn too. So we can bring Carolyn on. I mean, I'll yeah, okay. I'll I'll do that. But the other guy, no, no. I mean, we have we have limits. I'm not bowing down to the <laughs> we, Canadian. We haven't government. found them yet. I know. We keep, we're, we're going to find them, and this is it. We finally found the limit. We got to figure it out eventually. Yeah, probably. It's Canadian. What more do you want? It's. I don't, I don't want anything. And I don't know what Canadian I, content is. So uh, now the shows that are made in Canada, but they pretend they're California. Is that Canadian content, even though they're pretending they're in California? I, I think it's got to qualify. I mean, you, you obviously have to make that argument or the CRTC is going to come and hit you with unspecified punishments. Like we made it in Toronto or we made it here. Yeah. Well, no, you, you, it doesn't look, it looks like California, but that's the magic of movie making. Well, by the way, if you ever go watch an episode of Psych, uh, now that I've told you this, you will notice. And that is, if you watch an episode, you will see, like, the opening credits of everything have B-roll of Santa Barbara from the coastline. So very and obviously California. Very, it's, it's obviously California, but there is a pier that is, uh, it, it has a two-lane road and wide sidewalks going down the pier, and the pier is probably a half mile long. It's it's very distinctive. It's a huge landmark in Santa Barbara. And the pier at the very end has a, like a turn in it that goes, it, it's, like, it's a very distinctive look. And then if you watch the show, you go to any of the places where they're at the office, which the psych office is supposed to be on the waterfront right next to the pier. And you look at the pier in the background and it's a freaking fishing pier. It's <laughs> it's the maybe the width of eight feet wide and it goes out 200 yards and ends. And that's the one in the background when they're actually on the waterfront. I think it's one of the reasons why you don't have any shots that are on the pier itself, because these are very different piers. And you will notice that now if you ever go watch an episode. going to ruin it all. Didn't they have better CGI? Can't they go and fix that now? Come on. Well, see, the thing is, you'll watch it anyway because you're not there for the CGI. You're there because it is a fantastically well-written show that yes. is, uh, uh, the, you don't go, you don't even go for the plots. The plot is procedural crime drama. You can ignore the plot, but it is well-written. It's snappy. It has has so many uh, pop culture references, like dozens and dozens per show. It's just an entertaining product. I and I enjoy shows with witty product dialogue. That's like the number one thing witty dialogue it's hard to do well but if you can do it well it elevates everything yes and it's one of the reasons why uh, that is the argument also being made by the writers uh guild who are uh, apparently still on strike well they don't they're against this whole ai thing well uh, yeah but among other things here's what's working against the writers guild and i agree that a quality writer can be good the question is uh you know is their time and effort better spent striking or going out and finding some quality writers. That's an interesting I, question. I, I just feel like, you know, going on strike this year is not going to help them. They're like, 
oh, well, gee, Hollywood, your content is going to get worse if you don't have writers. Like, how? <laughs> You're right. Is it really going to? When people don't <laughs> notice a change, that's when the writers have a problem. Yeah, exactly. They're like, wait, the writers like, have been on strike for six years? <laughs> Shit, I thought things were pretty good now. If the producers go out and hire scabs, who will notice? Right. Well, and again, this is a worldwide industry and things can be written from anywhere. Things can be uh, shot anywhere. But this is the where a lot of these industries are going right now with vinyl records. There was a uh, a dude I follow on YouTube who has a vinyl channel and there was a, uh, you know, somebody did a survey and found that about 50% of the people now that are buying vinyl records don't own a turntable. They're buying them. So they're just buying them because they're NFTs. Pretty much. They're buying them to support their favorite artist. They think the artwork is pretty, maybe something they're going to go up in value as, you know, I was looking and it's getting hard for me not to sell some of the Taylor Swift records I have. Cause I've got like six of them, you know, not well, make six sure different you sell ones. before the crash. I know that's it. I'm looking at that right now. Because there's uh, two of them that are regularly going now for twelve to fifteen hundred a piece, and the others are in the hundreds. So if I got like six records that I could probably sell for about six grand. I, and I'm not going to tell you how to figure out when the crash is happening. Right. I just know that uh, that th- this is how it works with Beanie Babies and NFTs yes. and and metaverse plots. That's one of the other stories I brought. And that's how they go. But the uh, the concept for this guy was like when you know. That 50% of the people, and maybe that's not 50% of the people, but 50% of the product you have going out the door, nobody's ever going to test. Nobody's ever going to use. What does that do yeah. to the quality of the product? So what, what it means is that really all they need to do is etch some squiggly lines onto the vinyl. They don't even have to right. do anything. They don't even have to go so crazy as to contract out the song. Right. You don't even have to they, put music on it. Like, yeah, we'll pay you, I don't know, how's a, a 10 spot? for just a, a circular version of your album art. Uh-huh. And then we'll just put some squiggly lines on it and ship it out because most people, you know, we'll just absorb the returns because more than 50% are not even in a no. Servo in the troll room, troll room.io says Swifty could come out as a Nazi tomorrow. I'm like, dude, she's a six foot tall Aryan blonde with blue eyes. What do you think? Just pointing that out. Sexy. Yeah, very much so. And if, <laughs> and if she was a Nazi, I'd be like, I can overlook that. Uh, I, I mean, I already think that Tay Tay is really easy to look at, and I really enjoy everything that she does that doesn't involve opening her mouth. And being a Nazi would be the same thing. So, really, there's nothing she could do by opening her mouth that you might enjoy. Well, I mean, <laughs> there is that. As long as words don't wow. come out, we're still oh, good. Okay, there you go. We're gonna get email on this one. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, so am I. Just, I don't care. Just remember the the most important lesson you can learn about socialism is that not everybody gets to fuck a six foot tall blonde Nazi. This is true, and I, mean, I tell you, the I think it was, uh, and I hate to pick, point them out and pick on them, but I think it was C. Brooklyn last week when we took the day off and like, oh, they got better things to do. And all I have to we say did. to that is then fucking donate. Well, that, actually, C. Brooklyn did. <laughs> well, that's good. See, I like yeah. him, but most of the people didn't. Yes. So there's that. You got to go out. You got to you got to find them. See Brooklyn. You got to pick them up by their ankles. You got to shake them over the couch and then whatever change comes out, which 
Co- coincidentally is one of the reasons why after spending six hours rebuilding my node yesterday, I went in and was like, okay, well, I, you know, I can just dedicate the next four to putting out some angry tech news. And then I went ahead and checked PayPal and not one donation came in and I'm like, or I can wait until next Tuesday. Uh-huh. That is, there is an incentive structure to that. And it's not that we hate the people that listen. We love the people that listen, but when it gets to the point that the, it just does not make sense. I mean, I know we're providing entertainment and we hope we do that well. Oh, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. When did, <laughs> did that we, change? When did we sign up to try to be entertaining? When, when did we start doing that? I thought that, that was from day one. Statement. I mean, I thought that was what we had entertainment and maybe a little bit of accurate news somewhere like the mainstream. No, I'm just here to complain about shit. Oh, this is therapy. Yeah. We're just here to complain. Take a number. We'll be with you uh, momentarily. But yeah, this is, uh, there's a lot of hours that go into making podcasts. And eventually, if they do not sustain themselves in any way, shape, or form, then they become less frequent or they go away. Because I think we both have other things we could do that could make more money. I mean, I mean, I could probably make more money whoring. And that's pretty sad when it comes down to it. I don't know. I've seen pictures of you. Yeah. A lot of people have. I've seen pictures of you, though, too. So there you go. Yeah, that's unfortunate. How can you sleep at night? <laughs> I don't know. It's going to leave some scarring. Uh, it takes a lot of melatonin, some uh, alcohol, and uh, most likely a, a very, very dark sleep mask. So anyway. <laughs> was, this, was that off? Have we gone off the rails? This reminds me of a I, Mark and yeah, George I'm show. Worried. I'm worried. I remember there being rails. How do you feel about talking about tech and politics? <laughs> Well, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, I just watched, cause I was curious and I don't know if you follow Rob Braxman at all. And he puts out YouTube videos and a lot of people have pointed me to him over the years. Like, Oh, this guy, he knows his shit. And he was talking about this new pass key system. Now that Google's jumping on board and all the, the companies that are behind it are kind of terrifying when it because this is like a conglomerate of everybody from google and facebook down to you know LastPass to yubikey to uh, a bunch of the banks i mean wells fargo and a couple of other banks i saw on there so this is a bunch of people getting together with the concept that you should be able to get into your account without a password Sorry, sorry for zoning out a bit. I, I was just frantically opening up my notes from our last show. The one that didn't because, happen because it was filled with. <laughs> no, well, no, the, well, the previous show I had brought, uh, you know, I always, I always write up more stories than we end up talking about. Uh, I had brought the story about Google supporting pass keys. So I have, I have information on this when you're, when, when you need it, which is good because the I got know, information, man, the new information has come to light. And he wasn't totally, I was surprised because he was not totally against the biometrics on the phones because he claims that he has looked into this. And when your telephone takes your fingerprint or your face, it is storing that hash just on the phone and not sending it to the mothership that all that this is doing, according to him, was that when you use your fingerprint or your face, that it is acknowledging that step and then sending your passcode. So the only thing that is being still sent out is your pin and that all your fingerprint and your face 
is doing is activating your passcode more or less. Uh, and yeah, yes, that's basically true of the implementations that are being used here, but it's even better than that. Um, they're not sending a pin or a passcode. Most of the passkey implementations. And I think the spec that, that Google and Microsoft have been pushing um, is set to use a uh, public key encryption. Right. Which means that they're not even sending a pin. What they're sending is it's a challenge and response where the server sends out, you know, here, here's a, uh, you know, a, a one kilobyte of data. We want you to encrypt that one kilobyte with your private key. And then the client sends it back and then the server decrypts it using your public key. And if they match, then they know that you have your private key. That's public key encryption in a nutshell and is incredibly secure and very useful. And I would be all for this pass key technology, except for I don't like the biometric angle and I hate the fact that it's Google and Microsoft pushing it. Yes. Well, they're definitely part of this. There's a lot of other companies that I'd go, well, I would normally trust like YubiKey. And the interesting thing would be that at least the YubiKey, and this was one of the points that uh, Braxman made, which was a lot of people with what is available now with two-factor authentication use SMS and their phones. And he's like, oh, that is a privacy hell. SMS is awful. <laughs> SMS is let's send a password in plain unencrypted data, a, a, a bi-directional symmetrical password unencrypted across a network that is known to be completely insecure. That's not good. Like I said, the public key encryption part of this is infinitely superior to SMS. And the it's almost a shame that the in terms of the user experience that the two are being equated, because on the back end, it is night and day. There's no day. SMS two factor authentication. You might as well just be putting in the text, the word password. Well, yeah. And don't you love when you get an SMS from one of these companies that includes the text, do not give anybody this information. Like you just sent it over the open internet, unencrypted. Everybody's yeah. got it that wants it already. My, my, my phone company is now going to be storing it for uh, at least a decade. Yeah, near eternity. That, that was another story from last week. Yeah, well, we, we, hey, we talked about that for years. The fact that SMS messages are not private and they are not uh, something that disappears. And, and yeah, the, the story from last week in a nutshell, I don't remember who it was and I'm not going to go to my notes again, but uh, that there was a company that was suffering a data breach and among other things, they admitted that they lost and uh, what, you know, what the hackers got included 10 years worth of SMS messages. <laughs> I was like, who the hell stores that? Yeah. And why? Well, for those companies, it's nearly nothing on the hard drive s scale because yeah, and, and they text. might find a way to, to monetize it right. using a data algorithm at some point. Well, the wait, uh, uh, Ryan mentioned uh, pornography back in 1967, so we better send him some porn. Uh, no, I didn't. Not in that year, but basically every year since 1977, I probably have. Yeah. See, there you go. That's how they know. But like the YubiKeys, the interesting thing will be the ability to do this and have the pass keys 
without tying it to a mobile device. That is a big step forward. If you're going to be able to have something, and I think you will, whether the current YubiKeys can do this or they're going to need to release something. But if you can have a physical key, then that's not attached to a mobile phone that isn't going to give your GPS coordinates and all this other stuff, then this is actually a very good thing for privacy and for safety if they can actually pull it off without some major exploit that nobody's figured into this yet. Exactly. I totally agree. The the underlying idea, like the, the kernel idea under the passkey system is let's stop sending symmetric keys in the clear and the the public key cryptography is fantastic because the because nothing about the key ever changes hands nothing about your you know the the one thing that you have to keep private there's always something you have to keep private in order to know that it's you and that thing is your private key and that thing never leaves your device and that makes it superior you know a standard password system you send your password to the other end and then they have to confirm it well now your secret is in transit. That's always a concern. Lots of ways that can go wrong. I love the kernel of this, the public key stuff. I, I'm just, there's a lot of different ways you can implement it. And, you know, the the thing that drives me nuts is the the threat model that's being used behind this always assumes uh, a, a malicious man in the middle, but the threat model never no threat model created by Google will ever include Google as a threat on the model. And right. that makes them all flawed. Yes. Which is, I guess one good thing that this is a multitude of people included because it's not, Hey, Google's pushing this out or, Oh, IBM yes. pushing or Microsoft's pushing this out. So, so if you can find a vendor that you trust to handle your, to, to, to provide the device that handles your key, this is an incredibly valuable thing. Now, the other thing, which, by the way, is going to drive a lot of adoption problems to it is uh, you know, what I said. The server side needs to completely change over from we're checking your password to we are issuing a, a public private key challenge. And yes. that means that website, you, you know, you can't use this on any website that doesn't support it. Right. And people are going to feel very weird for a long time with like, wait, what do you mean? I don't have to log in. Is this safe? What, how does this work? Well, you, you do have to authenticate, but uh, you know, again, this is all about the key handling. If you do it from a device that has software, which automatically does, this is the same as your browser storing a password. Right. Oh, I don't have to log in. It's magic. That, that's yeah. It's magic. I mean, you don't have to log in. I, I don't have to log in when I SSH into the no agenda servers. Why? Because my software handles that for me, but it uses a protocol that's still pretty secure. Well, and that's with this is the same kind of a thing where Apple instituted this a few months ago. If you had the YubiKey, because for the longest time and YubiKey is only a part of this, uh, the passkey thing. But they started accepting a YubiKey, but they went one step further and said, well, if you're going to use a YubiKey, you need two YubiKeys, which is there's a certain amount of sense that is made to this, because once you understand how this works, and I thought this kind of will segue very nicely into the other story that you had. The, The one where not every not every key is trustworthy. Exactly. Well, beyond that, maybe. and. 
in this case, they're like, well, okay, if you can set up a YubiKey, here's the problem. If you have a YubiKey and you set that up on your account, well, if you lose that YubiKey or it gets broken or somebody runs over it with the car or your dog eats it, you're never getting into any of your accounts ever again. Yeah. Now you can add a multitude of YubiKeys and then they, which is what they recommend. Like, well, okay, you have to now set up two YubiKeys and then go put one somewhere very, very safe. Now, that doesn't stop people from still being fucking stupid and losing both at the same time or breaking both at the same time or your dog eating both at the same time. Oh, yeah. But that oh, is yeah. the level Apple is going to be like, well, don't do this. We want you to yes, have two. But, uh, okay. As long as we're on the topic of Apple, one of the things that they do is, is Apple is taking the, well, we don't we think it's bad if people if are completely secure because they might lose their keys. So Apple is doing things like backing up your keys in the cloud, which kind of in, in Apple's cloud, which kind of defeats the purpose of having the key in the first place. If if we're just going to be like, well, what it means is anybody who has access to your Apple account now has all of your keys. So what's the point of having the key again? Oh, convenience. Well, it is convenience. And that is the issue, even with the YubiKey, the way that I use it. And it's pretty much only on my Google account. And the, the way that I use it is once I'm logged in, it never bugs me for it ever again, because if it bugged you every time you went to log in and check your mail, it would be a real pain in the ass. So what I run it, into it then, might even be a disincentive to using Google services. Exactly. Which I consider a feature. Exactly. Um, now, what you can't do then, like if I'm out and about and I don't have my YubiKey and I'm at my parents, I know my Google password, but it will not let me in without the YubiKey. I was trying to get into one of my Google accounts while I was at my parents over this last weekend because my dad wound up in the ER for a little while and I had a bunch of time to kill. And I went in and I this is an account that was never any two factor authentication or anything set up. And I went in with my username and password, which were both correct. And it's like, oh, verify you are who you are by going to the uh, YouTube app on oh. your Apple iPad and entering this code. Oh, God. Uh -huh. Oh, that that drives me nuts when when they're like, oh, we're going to give you all kinds of convenience features because security is hard. And then we realized our convenience features went too far. So when you log in with all of the credentials that we told you to, we're still going to try to get you to verify yourself. Uh-huh. Go pick up your PayPal iPad. does that to me every day, be, uh -huh. every time, because because I'm not running whatever JavaScript widget they have that that tells them that I guess I'm not a robot or something. So every single time I log into PayPal, they're like, Oh, and we need you to confirm your identity. Yeah, I get the SMS from PayPal. It will not let me log in without. I actually killed the SMS option and I use an authenticator, which is better, but it still means practically speaking, I have to go grab my phone anytime I want to check my PayPal balance. Yes. For your convenience. Yeah. Pull it out of the drawer. It's like in this case, people do not fucking carry their iPads with them wherever they go. And as well, they shouldn't No. So when it's like, now well, we, we get them to leave the iPhone at home too. Like we will not let you into your account without your iPad. It's like, um, fuck you. <laughs> that is not well, I convenient. Suspect, I suspect that when they wrote that feature, they expected people to put the app on an iPhone, which they do carry with them everywhere. Right. Because people are addicted to these things. 
And if you have it with you, that's one thing. But then when you don't, and it's like, well, I don't have that. If there was no other option. So it's basically, you know, go fuck yourself. You can't get into your account. And then when I got home and logged into that account, it's like, oh, somebody was trying to log into your account. And I'm just clicking the button that says that was me, asshole. <laughs> you know, this- how dare you try to get into your own account? I know. It, how- by the way, this this reflects the way that these companies actually think about it is uh, it's not your account. It's their it's account, the company's account, and they are kind enough to let you use it. And in this case, with the keys, they sound like a great idea. And if. I- I will only believe that it's otherwise when the company does not have the ability to get into the account, which is, uh, but, but that would never work with something like Google because part of their business model involves scanning your Google drive and everything in your email for data that can be monetized by their advertising machine. Well, that's for your convenience too. And also for censorship. And I think it's funny in a huge way because I've had, Gmail accounts and Yahoo accounts going back to like the beginning of both. And my Gmail account, they're constantly, oh, you're using too much storage. Oh, oh no, you're using too much storage. Pay. <laughs> you're using too much storage. Uh-huh. I can hardly believe it. I know. It's hard to believe. Yahoo, on the other hand, doesn't fucking care. Yahoo has never said a fucking thing. So I don't know if Yahoo has a better uh, storage than google which i wouldn't think but i think google's just trying to make more money trying to get you to buy more storage rather than just going in and deleting all the old crap from I mean, it for people who don't understand you can go and you can archive all your old email so it's not like even if you need something you don't need to keep it on your active gmail account but i did think it was interesting too i saw a story that starting in i believe december if you have a Google account that you have not logged into in two years or more, they are going to start reclaiming those accounts and deleting them. Wow. Uh-huh. About time. I know. Well, they're like the first ones they're going after, which I rightfully so. And I've done this before, but the people that grab a name and then never fucking log in again, they just wanted to make yeah. it. So you can't have the name, which is a hazard of, uh, you know, Every social media does it, but it's a hazard of creating the one global namespace for everybody in the entire world, even if you never interact with most of them. Yes. You know, Twitter is one of the places where people really uh, will uh, and Gmail will contend over the cool names. And it's one of the reasons why so many places you'll have names like Jake four, three, two, one, oh, five or something. So easy to remember. Like, yeah, we had 423,000 times. That's how many Jakes there are that wanted the name. Hey, man, that's why I got my name. I'm like, I am Darren O'Neill. That's it, baby. Yeah. The Irish boxer. I kind of liked I kind of liked how Discord was doing it for most of their existence, where you pick your name and then they just stick a, a random number, arbitrary number on the end that is used to identify as a key in the database, but is not used in the display anywhere. Right. So people and, just see your name. So people just see your name, which is great because that what it means is in, you know, Discord is actually designed around small communities everywhere. Uh, you will, you know, in every one of them, I'm just Ryan or can be. And I don't have to care that there's 3000 other Ryans because I'm not sharing a, a space with any of them. Uh, 
By the way, I only mention that because Discord recently uh, made the change to one global namespace and uh, are now going to start forcing people to choose a new username. And uh, the <laughs> they're drawing lots. They, there's actually a lottery for when you get prompted to change your username, because obviously <laughs> the people who get to do it earlier get all the choice names. Yeah, they want the good ones, man. I really never used Discord. That was that was a story from the Angry Tech News that wasn't wasn't uh, done. It was not recorded while that was made due to hardware failure. And you, there are pills for that now. Hardware failure. Anyone? No. Nope. Anyone? No. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> but to not, go along, not with, touching it. <laughs> no, you're not touching, touching it. your hardware. <laughs> the uh, to go along with that story was the one you had with. Uh, the uh, the crypto folks, the ledger oh, folks. Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, no agenda social has been down for about the last twenty four hours, or not down, but but malfunctioning. the The home feed isn't there. I think it is I kind of go, down when nobody can post or read anything new. That's kind well, of no, even people though it can loads. post, but the only thing that's updating is the local feed or or possibly the federated feed. But who goes there? Uh, but the only way I'm getting things on there is from the local feed, and a lot of people that I don't follow because you know or that, that I don't see because they're not in my home feed are posting in the local feed. And uh, let me tell you the number of memes and complaints about this thing is far more from than any other story that I've seen, even though it's so small comparatively. Yeah. But it's even because, though from what I can tell, it is opt-in, right? It is opt-in. Okay. So uh, we've been dancing around it for 20 minutes now. Um, it has to do with a new service that was just announced, released, I'm not sure, uh, from the uh, crypto key company Ledger. Now, I think you've talked about Ledger before. Yes, I have a Ledger USB for my uh, crypto. <clears throat> so what happened most recently is they pushed out a firmware update to people's keys uh, with a new feature. Now, the the feature is opt-in but the firmware update was not that was an automatic update and and you know resistance is futile uh the marketing around this service is it lets you recover your seed phrase so for ten dollars a month you can have uh the peace of mind that if you lose that notebook in your drawer with your 24 word seed phrase that unlocks everything about your wallet if you happen to lose that and you've been paying them $10 a month, you can send them your government ID or passport or something like that. And they will send you the key phrase, which means that they have to be storing it. Yes. Well, that would um, kind of make sense, that right? Is, that is what's freaking a lot of people out. Uh, now, it's it's well, not right. entirely clear what the opt-in system is other than paying money. Probably. But but it 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 means among other things, it almost certainly means sending them your key phrase, which is sending that over the internet. That's a scary thing. Uh, a lot of complaint here. One of the complaints is, uh, you know, you should never be storing this. You should never, et cetera. Uh, one of the complaints is that if you have a ledger device and you don't opt in that your device still has the code on it, which knows how to uh, transfer a key over the internet. And if that code is ever cracked, then a hacker could force your device to just start sending key phrases out to whoever. 
Now, the way that they've done this is at least, I mean, they're doing a lot to try to make you feel secure. One of the things they've done is your your 24 words are broken into three fragments and then stored encrypted with three different custodians, uh, Ledger, CoinCover, and EscrowTech. I'm not familiar with either of those other two, but uh, they're stored in the cloud in three different pieces in three different places. So if somebody gets the database from one of those companies, they have one third of everybody's key, which isn't really useful. No, and if they're all encrypted as well, it's still not all that useful. But I guess the bottom line here would be whose encryption key is encrypting those because anybody that uses a <laughs> a service now, as I do. I assume a master key by the company so that, you know, it's, it's whatever one that they punch in, whatever one they punch in once they verify a photo of your driver's license. The master key is the issue. Because if that, and you also know that since there's the ability for them at whatever point that you try to recover your key phrase, that means that any of those key phrases can be retrieved by somebody that is on and authorized on their system, which just means they're going to be a big target. Because with the way these crypto keys work, and I talked about this right after I got my ledger that I got a virus, which I rarely do. But, you know, again, again, I, I download questionable things at times. And I was smart enough when I put my crypto, when I put the USB key in and the ledger software came up and it was like, enter your 24 uh, word phrase now. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right. No, no, it doesn't. And it wasn't because here's the issue. Once somebody has those 24 words, it's not your wallet anymore. Right. Your money's gone. In fact, the wallet is almost certainly empty within seconds. Yes, it's gone. And you're not getting they, it they, back. They, there are you know, when somebody sets up a scam like this, they have bots that the moment the 24th word goes out, the bot will instantly go drain the wallet and transfer it into somebody else's wallet so that it doesn't matter if you have the words or not. There's nothing in the wallet. Right. It's gone. Those words are way too vital, which it's still it's a weird system, but I understand why it's needed when you're dealing with hardware keys. Because if something does happen to, you know, this is the one thing you have. If you have one of these USB keys, which basically all the store on there will be your crypto keys. This, again, is a public and private key thing. And if your device gets destroyed. Well, you still want to get your money somehow. You want to get access to that, your crypto. That is the idea. Now, now the the hardcore Bitcoin religionist zealots will argue that well, if you do, if you lose the device, you deserve to lose it because that's the only way you get real security. And there is a certain harsh harsh truth to that, which is any kind of recovery scheme is also known as a security backdoor. Right. Okay. You're um, just setting it up yourself. Now, where the line is, that's important for compassion and reason. Like, you have to figure out where the right line is, and it's gonna, not going to be the same for everybody. Uh, the argument made by, uh, I think the CEO put out a statement about this feature and said that we know that a lot of our current users don't like this because they are completely familiar with the reason behind the crypto and the uh, the security behind the, we have very technical people using our devices today and a lot of them do not appreciate or do not want this feature and that's why it's opt in 
And the reason why they implemented the feature is because they want their next million users and they feel like this, you know, they're, they're pretty well saturated on the number of crypto enthusiasts who are going to be using their devices. And now they want to get people who just want to hold some Bitcoin and have been told that these keys are the way to do it, but maybe haven't been told that if you mistype one of these words, your all your money is gone forever. Yeah, if you, there are some of those that are set up where you get like three chances to get the words right. And yeah. and then it deletes itself. Yeah. And if you don't, you're, you're done. You're gone. Bye bye. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you've got if if you have been taking the advice of somebody and put ten thousand dollars into Bitcoin just so that you can you know store it in a tax haven or whatever, we I'm not giving financial advice. I don't have enough money to do that. But um, if you've done this. And somebody says, oh, and you need to get a physical key to do this. And then you don't quite fully understand. And your toddler gets a hold of it and starts punching in the buttons and gets it wrong (laughs) three times. You just lost 10 grand. That's not a good feeling. No. And I mean, everybody does tell you to get a hardware wallet because, oh, you don't want to be on Coinbase. You don't want to be on whatever, because then your your money's not your own. And that is true for most people. You know, if you're just dabbling, probably not a big deal. I know some people will be mad. I say that, but I did. I got the hardware key, but I understand what comes with it. And I'm just trying to figure out because we know that you need these 24 magic words to be able to rebuild your crypto device to get your funds back, you know, to get your keys back, which is really all again, this is. And this is now the trade off that. You think a company that you're going to pay $10 a month to is going to do a better job with that than, I mean, I don't know what it costs at this point to get a safe deposit box in any random bank in your hometown, but that is the the target demographic for these things is casual people for whom Yes, I think that that ledger is going to be more reliable at storing them. I guess. But- I mean, it's it's hard to believe because, again, I've thought about this a lot and I wonder how many people do creative things because I've thought of, you know, I'm like, well, how would you do it? You know, if I really had enough money in one of these things, because you're right, I've just got my list sitting somewhere in the house. All I've got is is half of what, you know, what comes into Angry Tech News and half of what comes into Grumpy Old Ben's, which frankly isn't even worth buying the key right so if you're like if you want it i could just give it to you that would be easier yeah. but you're i thought like, about yeah, I, I just i just store my 24 words on my public web page because i mean <laughs> right. really what am i out <laughs> like well see this is it and you can do that if people don't know what those words are because if you're creative you can come up with a way <laughs> to store that shit in plain sight steganography you know, I mean, you could write a book, you know, and put it in there. It's like and, and sell it on Amazon. So that way, if you ever need it, you just buy your own book. Nobody else will. But they don't know that the 24 words that are the first word of each chapter ends up being your, <laughs> you know, your key phrase to your crypto wallet. That is an amazing idea. And I'm going to totally take credit for having come up with it, despite the fact that you just did. It would be awesome. But this is like, again, just gift. I mean, I remember reading. And I mean, I kind of felt bad for the guy because the stories that are the at least the most cringeworthy and also the most fun for me when it came to the crypto stuff was 
somebody who bought the crypto wallet early on and had a bunch of Bitcoin because the crypto wallets have been around for quite a while. And Bitcoin was at like nothing and then exploded, which is the worst thing ever when you like, well, okay, I just I mean, I was very lax because when I put this thing away, you know, maybe there was five hundred dollars worth of crypto on it. Well, now there could be a hundred thousand dollars of crypto on it. Like suddenly this is important. Uh huh. And now I don't remember where my 24 words were. It's like, this is it. There are so many ways to do it. Well, that you could, I think it's it's just, I'm just trying to figure out why and how it could ever be better to pay a company that is going to be targeted $10 a month. That if that company is ever hacked, it's like, do you really trust them to hold your key? Because they are now holding the key to all of your funds. I would still then, think it's a lot safer to obfuscate those 24 words and put them in somebody else's house. I, 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 I feel like if you are trusting the device at all, then you're, you're putting a certain amount of trust in the company. And I, I ledger, I, except for one incident that I'll get into in a moment, ledger is, has been pretty trustworthy. I just, there's a lot of people who are losing their minds about this. And I mean, it, it makes sense. You are in fact opening up a security hole. And, you know, if I'm trying to to hack this, I'm not going to go after the databases. It sounds like they really secured that I'll go after the, you know, uh, social engineering on the guy who has the master key and is checking the IDs or, or even easier. How hard is it to forge a government issued driver's license? Well, right. This is very true. This is very um, true and be like, well, this yeah. is me. Now, can you, are you just going to give me It's like, there would have to be so many safety measures put into this. Or even if somebody comes in and requests that, that you can set up in advance. Well, the only, the only way you're going to deliver this will be, you know, hand message to this address. You know, I don't know. It's uh yeah. Well, I did pull a quote out of the, the ledger, uh, uh, announcement where they said uh somebody or not maybe not the i don't remember where okay i should mark where i got these quotes for i'm going to imagine i pulled this quote off of the internet but uh somebody saying well if you just forge a passport or an id but uh the quote is ledger has rejected that this is a security risk as your government id is only one part of the process we also have full liveness detection where you use your camera and it gives you randomized prompts that can't be faked or pre-recorded and the first thing I thought of when I read that was they've never heard of deep fakes, have they? Which uh, <laughs> is so prevalent now. <laughs> but I, I, at least they're trying and I give them that. Um, now, Ledger, uh, this is something that's being pointed out by a lot of the people going, hi, you can't be trusted either. And I don't know if if they can't be trusted, then there's no such thing as a as forgiveness uh ledger had a data breach in july 2020 if they can't be trusted from this then really the moment that any company has a data breach you might as well just shut them down i don't know if that's necessarily where we want to go with this but they confirmed and i went ahead and read their their blog post where they discussed they were very open about the data breach i'm i'm not entirely against ledger i know it's weird i'm usually taking a one-sided hardcore rant i i see where they're coming from um they confirmed that portion of their customer database was exfiltrated, including a million email addresses and about 10,000 records that were more detailed, including address, name, and phone. 
okay, you know, if, if that was July of 2020, that's almost three years ago. If you're going to decide that they can't be trusted from that, then stop buying ledger devices. Go get someone else. Go get a YubiKey. Go get something else. But here's the money quote that I pulled out of the, uh, the 2020 blog post. Most of the attacks you'll be facing are online scams trying to steal your 24 words. We'll never say it too often. The one important thing is to never, ever share your 24 words with anyone, right. not even Ledger. We right. will never ask you for them. Now they're asking. <laughs> now they're asking. Well, no, they're saying you can give it to us if you want well, to. What, no, what they're saying is you can push a button on your in the software on your device and it will automatically send them. You don't have to send it. It is an interesting conundrum. Because I get it. People are afraid and rightfully so you should be afraid if you don't understand the technology and you're putting a bunch of money on it that you know you can't get if you screw something up. But this is where one, you need to educate yourself. You need to learn how these things work. And as long as you don't forget your pin, and I'm still surprised they let you do a four digit pin on these things because that's just not long enough. I do eight for mine. I do the full yeah. eight. Uh, with that Wait. said. When, when things request a pin, I always put in at least six, even if the minimum is four. Right. Because it's way too easy. Yeah. And you make it so much harder by just adding one or two numbers onto that. But well, the every, every additional digit, it, 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 even if it's just numbers, every additional digit makes it 10 times harder to crack. That's simple mathematics. Yes. And when it comes to these 24 magical words, when you understand what power that they hold how they're able to rebuild your device or again so if somebody else just goes and grabs a ledger device and they get your 24 words yes they are going to steal all your money so those 24 words are basically the password to everything you have but there are easy ways again for you to secure that it's not that hard to keep 24 words in, you know, obviously you need them in their particular order, but how hard is that for people to keep somewhere that is secure? I mean, whether you have a safe deposit box, whether you have a safe in your home. Uh, I, I read, I, I read one of the articles I read did point out. They said, if you are going to keep these words either on an electronic or in paper form, uh, do not keep them at home in a fire safe because your house can burn down. Keep them in a bank in a safe deposit box. And I'm thinking that can burn because down. banks never fail. <laughs> well, usually, I mean, I guess at least if the banks uh, burn down, you still have your key. If, if the banks burn down, they are in a fireproof box in the bank instead of a fireproof box in your home. Exactly. And as long as I'm nobody just saying more, more banks have failed in the last 20 years than houses that I've owned have burned down. Did you really want to just say that? Next, next week, Ryan's coming to us from a. Oh, and the, oh God, I, I just lost a hard drive. How much worse could it get? Right. Do not ask. Do not stop, ask that question. Stop saying, shut up. Shut uh, up. Stop talking. Stop talking now. Oh, geez. Uh, but just put those 24 words somewhere. So you can have them digitally as well. And as long as you know how to use cryptography, and there are, again, we've talked about things like uh, what's it called? VeraCrypt where you can just throw your things in on a drive. There's all sorts of ways to keep that 24 word thing safe. And that I would think again, maybe it's because I don't trust the big companies as you don't, 
I would just think there are ways you could do this on your own that are way more secure. And this to me seems like a, a very bad idea, no matter how much security they say is going into it. And I would be very curious, like, will they have to provide you with the government ID? Well, then what happens if, like, as you said, if somebody comes in and falsifies your ID, I mean, I'm guessing maybe they're going to try to verify that the ID you're giving them matches. But what if it's years later and your ID is now different because they change here every time you get a new driver's license? So there are a lot of questions that yeah, I have. And and one of the things that you're doing by using a government ID is you are putting faith in the government to be an authoritarian authoritative and authoritarian but an authoritative reference for id and i personally don't think that that's a good thing to trust but it is something that our society is kind of built on so it's it's a decent enough proxy I don't know. I'm starting to think with with all this talk about where to store your keys and everything. I'm starting to think maybe the 17th century pirates had the right idea is just go find a deserted tropical island and draw a big X in the sand. You that bury might your, be the safest way to store your keys. Just bury your things right there. And I'm sure some I, people do. I'm sure I, not, as we speak, there's somebody out there right now that's going to dig up a mason jar in their backyard that has their 24 words on it. It's like, fuck it, Bemrose. He knows. He knows where they are. <laughs> I just... I, that is now that is now the plot to a a twenty twenty or a twenty forty seven remake of Treasure Island. Is right, the going out keys. and and digging up pirate keys, and instead of of gold or treasure, like instead of a chest full of coins, it's just a USB key with a digital wallet on it. You know, and to be fair, if you find a fucking list somewhere of twenty four words, you better shit put those into a key into one of these devices and see if it goes. Oh, yeah. Here you go. Yeah, 24 words. It's like, you know what? Here's the other thing. Don't store just those 24, man. Obfuscate those fuckers. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, put it put it in like I don't know. You you go you, your idea of steganography earlier got me thinking. Like, why would I even bother with my website? Why not like start putting out forum posts where yes. uh you know, you just you put out a 1000 word a rant on a, an obscure forum that you know never deletes anything and just every 16th word is one <laughs> something you, i don't know you know where to go find right you know where to go find it nobody else would ever think of that it's the perfect. problem of course with with any of these hiding in plain sight methods is that they work great for one person but it's not like you can make a a turnkey solution for it well, you could. I mean, I've got uh, I keep paying for uh, Usenet access. I mean, you could upload your shit there as well. And uh, there's so many the, different things you can do. But but the moment that I write an app that encodes your 24 words as a thousand word uh, AI generated rant and puts it onto a forum post, then as soon as my app becomes very popular, people are going to start pulling it apart and going and reading the thousand word AI generated posts and trying to pull keys out of it. That's true. If I'm the only one who does that, nobody will think of it. That is why you just don't tell anybody. It's not an exit strategy. Then again, neither is this podcast. We are a value for value show here. I think some people have forgotten that. Well, no, no, we're right now. We're more of a value for not very much show. Yes. Uh, Grumpy old Ben's. 
com slash donate today we have a few people to thank and thank you progo for coming in via the snail mail Ooh, i like that dude he's got his 12 bucks a month which is about all we make here now that that'll buy us each a, maybe a bad coffee uh our buddy serenivus murti coming in with his ten dollars and one cent monthly and brian hall is 293 monthly so if there's one thing to be said there are three donations today all three are monthlies which you know, your monthlies are the sustaining donations are what get you through the lean times and i tell you what there's no time any leaner than this our buddy billy bones just came in with a 3438 in satoshi land yes no boostagram I see i don't yeah i don't see a message on that one and our um, buddy harry pilgrim was uh going through he was listening uh, earlier probably still is 24 satoshis a minute then i think he hit his uh, maximum on this show i counted that up uh well i don't know about maximum but um the total um i went and counted 151 transactions across two episodes all of which were streaming for a total of 7550 which is one of the better boosts we got yes so this is very much recommended if you're in the podcasting 2.0 space and if not you should check it out because it's a minuscule amount to send to your favorite shows and it helps them stick around and and that that seventy five fifty turns out at, at current prices is what like two dollars couple bucks yeah couple bucks which is I mean again that's way cheaper than a coffee and if a thousand people did that on every show they listen to then I would probably be able to purchase more higher quality hard drives for my note and better I was gonna say better quality um, uh, chairs to sit in while over, doing. The course of the last two weeks, I also tracked down because I know your your interface to Satoshi's.stream doesn't always give you the older ones. Um, Curtis Peterson, right after the last show that we had two weeks ago, uh, gave a 10,000 sat boost, said 10,000 sats for the Grumpy Old Ben's adoption fund. So you can join in the fun with us less fortunate parental units. Nice. Uh, Amdushis, 3333, boosting the Grumpy Old Geezers. Uh, Joel W., 3006. Term limits by extreme measures boost. And Phoenix from the Lotus Effect podcast, uh, 3333 sats says 33 and a third. You know, it's bullshit when they use the magic number. I can't I'm argue not with exactly that. I'm exactly sure to what that's referring, but uh, it, it probably is. And send me those with the notes I need because I've gotten totally away from Satoshi's stream now. And I went okay. because I thought like Honshacks and these things were going to work but they all fucking suck oh my god people it shouldn't be this fucking hard when i go on like the get albi interface the problem with all the great folks like harry pilgrim who stream 24 satoshis a minute is this overloads with the amount of boost that you get with the amount of transactions and for some fucking reason on get albi you can't say, hey, just give me everything that's a boostagram. Give me everything that is over a thousand Satoshis at one time, you know, to do some kind of filtering. Yeah. You cannot but do that. The the script that I use, because, of course, I write my own scripts because I like to do the Internet on hard mode. Uh, the script that I wrote does allow me to filter by uh, by type, which is boost or stream, which which coincidentally. uh found a bug what i consider a bug in curiocaster but nobody else seems to care that uh whereas almost every app uses either the word boost or the word stream curiocaster will use the word boost or the word streaming which 
just complicates filtering, but that, that notwithstanding, um, I can filter by show. I can filter by, but, but what I haven't been able to do. And I, Harry Pilgrim has given me the idea that I need to do this is, uh, go through for a period of time and total up a uh, filter by name, total up all of the streaming donations because streaming donations are always a crap ton of transactions all coming in sequentially, right. which, feels like it strains the network and also really enriches all the people in the nodes in between. But given that I am now a node in between some of those, I'm okay with it for the moment, but total those up and take all, like if somebody is going to stream 30 sats a minute for a two hour long grumpy old Ben's, that's going to turn into some real numbers. And I want to be able to thank somebody for doing that. And so I think I'm going to go through and try to add another feature to my script that allows that, that will aggregate and kind of combine all of those which it seems like that's the kind of thing that your interface needs to do. Yes. And well, that's like, well, that's why we have other interfaces. And one of them yeah. is called contracts and it, okay. you know, it connects up to the Alby account, but here's the fucking thing there. It's great. It lets me have all of my different shows separated out. But when I go into grumpy old Ben's, there's a thing where you can click on and it says boostergrams. And then it's like boostergram timeline. And it's like, select an episode it's like fuck you i don't want to select an episode because if somebody fucking boostograms an episode from a fucking year ago i still want to know about it today i have the ability to filter on episode i don't know that i've ever bothered to do that because yeah i don't i i, I want to know when it came in not right. what episode they were listening to I and mean, what episode they were listening to at the time that is a useful piece of information but that's not what i want to filter on no and it won't even show you on contracts the boostergrams okay. without well, you choosing episodes and it's like fuck you that's stupid from from now i i have never used helipad which is uh the one that i think dave jones actually wrote this one and it's the thing that almost every podcaster out there is using i have not used it so i cannot confirm this but my understanding is it doesn't show stream at all it only shows boosts so if you go out and send ten thousand sats by sending 50 per minute for a really long show, you're not going to get thanked because it doesn't show that number. It is. I don't know. You know, I look here, it's like you can do custom filtering, but you know, and all I get here is uh Phoenix. I do see her 33, 33, but I don't see anything else. You know, the, la- the next one goes all the way back to the fourth from joel w so i don't know why well that that was uh 3006 term limits by extreme measures that was one of the ones i just called out but nothing in between that and phoenix unless well that's because nobody likes us this this could very well not a failure of your tools this could be it so what you either have to do is boost a gram a lot more and we appreciate that i think that like this segment is probably the most boring thing ever for people especially people who aren't uh, aren't podcasters and don't want to receive any, you know, or just you fine. You know what? If you want this segment to become less boring, start boosting more. Yes. And, uh, we can start doing the, uh, and I know you hate it, but we can, we can start doing a segment where we respond to the boostograms that come in live during that segment, not the whole show. Okay. D- during the segment, I can even handle it. As long as we don't play that awful. F- Bala. No, no, just you shut your foul mouth. (laughs) The uh, servo just came in with seven, four, five, three Satoshis. And uh, that is appreciated. I don't see a message on there. It just says pew, pew, pew. Pew. (laughs) I had no idea. 
I mean, I was not aware. No, that was I, what it was. It was he wanted his name read at live at the moment. Yes. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that Boostbot would be telling us about. If Boostbot was around, Billy Bones just came in again with uh, 3438 and says, okay. dance, monkeys. Well, we do. We dance. We dance very well. But I didn't realize really? when listening to the podcasting 2.0 show, when I sent I in my a, donation. I have a Billy Bones on my list for that amount, but there's no message. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, there's two. There's one that right. just came in. And, oh, okay. Maybe I didn't get the second one. But I didn't sorry, know now that the Podfather, was this something new that they, they will read immediately if the if the boostagram is big enough? Because I'm like, wait. I don't know. <laughs> he is understandably completely enamored with the very concept. And I understand that because they are. Yeah, it's part of the subject matter of, but I find it tremendously distracting. Well, it's hard if you're doing a, well, if you're having a conversation, you're talking about one thing and all of a sudden you got that audio cue and it's like, Hey, wait, we got to, and they do this on YouTube all the time. I think this is the distracted way that the youngsters like to do things that they're doing 14 different things at once. But I find that would hurt the overall product that we are putting out. It's you know what it is, and this might be this is this is totally feeding into the YouTube or TikTok thing. But what Adam is doing is jump cutting during the show. Yeah, kind of. That's what it is. It's a jump cut. Oh man, and I hate. I mean, I remember. And it's I, just as distracting to me. I'm trying to remember what concert video it was like back in the 2000s that I watched or tried to. It might have been a U2 concert, but there was one with a jump cut like every three seconds, and I'm like, I can't take it. Stay on one thing for like a minute. It, it is. It is one of the reasons why I contend that the most modern shows are unwatchable. And it's not just because the writing is bad. It's not just because it's juvenile. It's not just because, uh, you know, half the people have purple hair. It's. But that helps. Be, it, well, I'm, if, if they're busty enough, I'm not looking at the hair, but. It's the directing. A lot of times there will be, uh, you know, there, there's a couple of things that just drive me out of a show to the point where I'll shut it off. One is found footage. Just if I, I, I had so many people, this was uh, 15 years ago, tell me about this really amazing movie called Cloverfield that uh, people absolutely love. They say it was a masterful. And then I looked at it and like, this is fucking Blair Witch. This is it, it's all found footage. It's all taken on a fucking iPhone. Um, it's all. You know, people waving the camera around, nauseating it. I, I cannot handle found footage. The other thing I can't handle is any kind of, of director who thinks that the way to make compelling content is to have shots that are a quarter second long and just constantly jumping around. Yeah. Maybe nausea not inducing. That's, that's epile- like anything that causes me to become sick to my stomach from your content is not going to make me finish it. Probably. And a millennial just came in with 7777 says, I believe there are angels among us. We are your angels, any millennial. Sorry. Well, and I'm from one of those places. <laughs> Up or down. It's always yeah. hard to figure out which. Uh, we're being told that uh, No Agenda Social is catching up now. That's going to oh, take a little time. <laughs> I think, well, I. I think uh, I'll, I'll just wait until this evening before I start responding to all the people whining about actually, you know what? Why did you, skip, why did you skip an angry tech news? I was there live waiting for you and you never did a show. That's a great question. Next. 
<laughs> Wait, have you gone the White House route now? Uh, I'm not going to speak uh, to that from the podium today. So, uh. so I had one other tech-ish thing. Uh, this was also going to be on, on ATN yesterday because it's it's very tech and I could just do it myself. But I thought you would appreciate being able to laugh at these people. Oh, thank you. Um, it has to do with, uh, do you remember? Uh, maybe two years ago. I don't. I think it was during our hiatus, so uh, I don't think we necessarily talked about it on this show. But when metaverses became a huge thing, they were the next big thing, the next awesome, like everybody is going to completely move all their interactions to a second life type virtual world. Right. And the winners were going to be the people owning and managing the virtual world. Yes. And those uh, who could then buy land in the these ideas world. got so huge that Facebook decided to rename their company to cash in on the idea that they were going to be the metaverse. Yes. Um, and I'm sorry, I just got totally distracted by DigiGuru and I don't even understand it. Anyway, um, never, never pay attention to DigiGuru. <laughs> that is where you uh, start yes, going down. That, that's something you probably learned on the rock and roll pre-show, but. Okay, uh, so the big things as of, what, a year and a half, two years ago, uh, the the Facebook Zuckerverse was going to be the biggest one, and it was certainly the one that had the most amount of money dropped into it. Facebook dropped $36 billion on creating the metaverse, the place that everybody was going to exist, a virtual world that you could inhabit and buy land and conduct business. And it would be just like the regular world, except that it would be inside Facebook servers and Zuck would be God. Well, I mean, I'm, Zuck is kind of godlike, isn't he? He thinks he is <laughs> definitely has a God complex, uh, not a particularly trustworthy one. More like, more like way back in the day when polytheism was the norm and there were gods that, that were uh, trickster gods and gods that were the benevolent ones and gods that would try to destroy you at every Actually, Christianity has one of those, too. And Zuckerberg's kind of like that. Yeah, that seems about right. But that's why they renamed the whole bit and kit and caboodle to a meta. And they were going to they had all these little uh, so the little devices that you were going to be able to experience the virtual reality within put on your little headsets. So what did we get for thirty six billion? We got Horizon Worlds. Which was a. MMO with really boring gameplay that you could only access through an Oculus headset. And I don't know anybody who owns an Oculus headset. Do you? I do not. And I really, after losing one, eye, had no interest in any headsets whatsoever. Yeah. There's no 3d that. baby. Um, the, uh, the second best or biggest was uh, one called Decentraland. And another one, there's another one called Sandbox, both of which were funded by uh, effectively by NFTs, which were also freaking huge back then. Um, Decentraland actually had the benefit that you didn't have to have a headset. You could play it like a video game where uh, you were in a browser and you got a a screenshot window and you had mouse and keyboard and your left mouse button would uh, shoot it. Actually, probably not if it's going to be trying to be a civilized world. Anyway. Uh, the Facebook one, the Zuckerverse, is unofficially dead. Now, they're never going to make the announcement, uh, but it kind of died a week, week and a half ago when 
Zuck came out and uh, pointed out that their company is now refocusing the bulk of their efforts into what do you think the next big thing is? Wow. Uh, where would Facebook go? Where would Facebook go? They're saying now that they're meta. abandoning the metaverse. The metaverse is gone. Are they going back to the physical universe? Uh, no. Are they are they going into no, the matrix? No, they discovered they discovered that fake worlds are a bust and nobody wants them. So they're going to fake people. Oh, well, that makes sense. Everybody generative needs AI. That's that's the next big thing. And Facebook is going to beat both Google and open AI at this because Zuck says it's so. Hey, there's a lot of these out there. No question about it. Everybody thinks they can get there first. Do it the best. Some of them are way better than others, but this is, I believe, where news and search are going to change. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but it is, uh, it's going it, to, this is, again, if you really want to know how people are going to be fooled into more things than they have been fooled into already, just put AI into it. The, the other big metaverse, and by the way, in case you were wondering, uh, whatever happened to Decentraland and Sandbox land? Uh, well, the big stories two years ago, in fact, this again was fueled by NFTs, was uh, you know, these virtual worlds were, were fueled by their own coins and were uh, blockchain based, which meant that everything that happened went on the blockchain. That was kind of the, the gimmick, which is kind of like a game loop that I guess you can rewind and, and goes anyway, I'm not sure, but huge hype in late 2021. Uh, including a financial review did a story on a virtual casino in the decentralized world where real people were logging in to work in a casino to help people navigate the space. And by the way, that's, that, that's another job that would be replaced by AI today. So congratulations. Yeah, very quickly. But, yes. but it interviewed somebody who was working in the casino, helping people out. Um, working when, in a virtual casino, a virtual casino. Yeah. Not a real one. This was a housewife who never left her den. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, it was huge two years ago. And uh, when announced, like with NFTs, like with any big hype thing, the first thing that happened was crypto speculators engaged in a land grab. They looked at this and went, this is going to be the next big thing. And they bought up all of the prime digital real estate. Um, but they didn't build on them. They didn't hold it. They just wanted to wait for these metaverses to take off. And they drove the prices up so much that it was about $40,000 for the average parcel in decentralized in Decentraland and over 30,000 for the average parcel in, in sandbox to the point where normal people could not afford to own land in these virtual blockchain worlds. Hey, just like reality. So what happens when speculators tie up all the resources, but never do anything with them to grow the world? Well, normal people aren't interested. No. Like, so, yeah. Sorry. Welcome to San Francisco. So the latest story now is uh, that the that average parcel of land that was 40,000. What do you think it would go for now in Decentraland? 40 cents. Uh, no, $120, but, uh, you're not that far off. Yeah, it's close. That's close. That's still, uh, that's still more than a hundred X decrease in the amount of price. Basically all the people who went out and, uh, not only decided to cash in on the cheap land by driving prices up, but also killed 
the interest by taking up all the resources and never contributed to the building of these virtual worlds, which, by the way, were I don't know if they ever would have taken off if there was people there, but I guarantee they're not going to take off if nobody ever logs in. No, they killed them. They just I mean, it's the same as the people now who are holding the thirteen thousand dollar NFTs. Like, what do you think that's worth today? I don't know. Thirteen cents. Uh-huh. Don't so, fall for it. It's all a bunch of scams. People live in the real world. So, Metaverse is out. AI is in is the moral of that one. Uh, The last thing that I had was uh, while I was looking up stories and finding things, I happened to do a uh, news web search for, quote, Facebook Metaverse News to see if I could come up with something. And the first result, I did not read this article. I don't want to. But the headline I had to write down. Pregnancy Quest, my hunt for a pregnant avatar in the metaverse. Hey, well, you know, you got to have anything and everything you want in the virtual world. I guess that's the case. If you're going to if you're going to replace the real world, if you're going to cause people to jack into their virtual chairs and sit there 24 seven while their real body wastes away, then you got to bring everything that you people want. Some people want to get pregnant, I guess. Not us. Just just to be clear. Baron Spud the Mighty says, you just use an avatar of an obese person. No, I'm not going to go in and use my own real avatar. Java. I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Java That's that. all I got. Just. Dozuck. If, if he did not have a hundred percent unilateral control of the entire company, the shareholders would never have let him drop 36 billion and then abandon it. But, you know, he gets to do that. True. Very true. Well, we hope you don't abandon us. Come back next time for another fun and exciting episode of Grumpy Old Ben's. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we all say, go Zuck! And from America's left coast, where hundreds of men like me are experiencing virtual pregnancies, I'm Ryan Bemrose. But not me, of course. I no, no. Look pregnant, but I'm not. No, it's just, it's, it's an optical illusion. I went in for my prenatal checkup and the doctor's like, congratulations. It's a beer. No, it's twins. It's a six pack. <laughs> there you go.